0: Canucks Central Monday. It's Dan Richo and Vic Nazar here in the Kintex studio. We've got lots coming your way today. Satyar Shah was uh, filling in for Jeff Merrick in the morning, so uh, pull an AM duty. Pulling an AM duty, and he'll be doing the same tomorrow. So uh, good luck to him, but I prefer my co-host today and tomorrow.
1: Let's go. I you know last uh, two weeks ago when I was filling in for you, yeah, I joked that am I the Phil DiGiuseppe of this show? Because <laughs> anytime you guys need minutes, I get boosted up the lineup. Right, right. Credible minutes I th- I find. Yeah, uh, but I fill it in, and I, I needed to pass it by you first to see if I can get that designation. Well, first off, it's Phil DiGiuseppe. Sorry. Okay, and so uh, I'm on not. this
0: show we started calling him Maple Gretzky. So <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> It's because he's from Maple, Ontario. Yes. People don't understand this. Okay. Uh, but, Absolutely. yeah, you, you are giving incredible, credible minutes. All right. I do, like, I don't know if I took a bit of a heel turn yesterday, though, during the pregame show because I said, momentarily, not thinking ahead, but I'd like to see Vitali Kravsov get a bump up the lineup to see if he could do something more than – you know, what we've seen so far next to Sheldon Drys and Vasily Podkolzin. But then after I was thinking about it, well, you're not bumping down Beauvillier or Kuzmenko. Mm-hmm. So I just advocated to bump Phil DiGiuseppe off the second line without even realizing it. So we I don't know make, if that's a heel turn or not, but we all make steps. <laughs>
1: Are you uh, a big, uh, like, promote graphs off through the ranks kind of guy?
0: I, I at least want to see it. I get the sense, though, not that we wanted to start the show on Vitaly Kravtsov, but I guess here we are. Um, I get the sense Rick Tockett's seen enough already, and it's more about show me what you're going to do in the summer and how you're going to look in training camp.
1: Yeah, like I, I honestly, hard-pressed to think of like five moments. Yeah. There's been, like, hey, a, a defensive play, win a wall battle. It hasn't really been consistent enough. He's got the one assist.
0: The numbers are pretty ugly, too.
1: Yeah. It, I, look, I, I'm, I'm pro the player getting games mm-hmm. like he is right now, 11 minutes. He's got but,
0: one assist in nine games. But this is really going to be about what, what the summer looks like and, and how you come back. Yeah. Uh, Has played under 11 minutes a night, so that's tough. Uh, Tough to really make some noise when you're doing that, especially playing in a fourth-line role. But he's playing with Pod Colson and and Sheldon Drys has been able to find ways to score, no matter where he plays in the lineup. So not a ton of excuses there. Dakota Joshua's produced pretty well Mm -hmm. in a very limited role for this team this year. So as little time as you are getting, you still have to be able to show something in those minutes. And I would say the moment that sticks out to me most is the assist he had on the power play. Mm -hmm. And aside from that, yeah, there's been little moments. You see some traits in his game. You see some high-level skill plays. But as big as he is, doesn't use his size well, doesn't have a lot of power to his game despite the size being there. So there's still definitely some things that he needs to work on. And that's ultimately the biggest question for this player is – are you going to, like, put in the work, or are you just going to say, you know what, KHL is the better spot for me?
1: Uh, look, we had no intention of, of starting on Kravstall, yes. but, but the takes are coming in. Raymond texting in, uh, what would any player do in nine minutes a game? Hate the argument, he doesn't done much. Look, that's fair, but we're just talking about, like, has he done enough to merit more minutes? Yeah. And to me, like, I, I think it's been a fine experiment, continue going on this path, and ultimately, yeah, this is going to come down to the summer. But I haven't looked at it and said, like, oh, well, we... We need to boost this guy up. I'd rather see Bovillier just keep getting minutes. I'd rather see, you know, the way PDG is earning those minutes right now. Yeah. Like, I understand why he's higher in the lineup.
0: So, Dakota Joshua Mm -hmm. has played, (laughs) on average, 15 seconds more than Vitaly Kravtsov. Now, he's played 66 games and has the nine goals. But that's a pretty good return. And... Yeah, like, yeah, can you clear that bar first? Right. we start launching you up the lineup? And... Even if you want it, you want to say, well, what's he going to do? And I do want to see him play with JT Miller or something else above in the lineup, just to see it for a game or two, maybe not expecting much, but you have to, as you say, show something first. And I don't see him winning a ton of board battles. Um, at times, you know, there's a couple of plays where the Canucks get scored upon and he looks like he's making a desperation play to get back into the spot that he should be in. (laughs) And those are the things that this coach is truly harping on that need to be done in order to earn your way up the lineup. And even for, if you want to go by the numbers test, like his Corsi numbers, his expected goals numbers controlling scoring chances all of those things are well below where his teammates are so tough to make the argument for Vitali Kravtsov even though I just like to see it because mm-hmm. because you know, it's new well and he was a first like he was a top 10 pick yeah. at one point in his career but but he looks like a uh, an
1: unconfident player who's played 50 some odd games so far yeah which is which is fine but
0: as it, far as more minutes I'm, I I'm
1: still you know wait and see
0: so the I'm going to segue to how real is this from the Cubs. Because the argument for, well, what do you need to see more from Vitaly Crafts of this? These last few games of the season should only be about finding out what you might have in some of these young players. And I'm here for that argument to a certain extent. We know at this point that Rick Tockett doesn't necessarily agree with that. He's saying, I've got to get these guys ready for next year. And who does he mean when he says that more than anything else he means his core players he means guys he knows are going to be here next year and there's still a question mark next to Vitaly Kravtsov when it comes to that particular question so the JTs of the world the Pattersons of the world the Hughes of the world he's leaning on them as if he's going to lean on them in October of next year I, I get that I don't necessarily agree with it. I know it's not helping their tank situation, but that's the way the coach is viewing it right now. And I'm still at a loss for how real is this? Because when I ask myself that question, I still come up empty with any sort of definitive answer on that. How real is this? What we're seeing from the Canucks in there more successful run of late. Well, the last two games
1: in particular, last three, I guess, you can go back to the Arizona games. Yeah. The last three have been very discouraging. Mm-hmm. Starts haven't exactly been good. Although, Are, are the, you
0: including the Anaheim game in that?
1: Uh, yeah. Look, that one was better, but it still wasn't like a full-out, wow, we really dominated this team.
0: Like, they were significantly better. Like, they dominated the shot clock. I will say, you go up against Anaheim and you don't score an even strength goal. You don't score a five on five goal. I got questions, okay? Sure. Like I got questions. You could only score on the power play against these guys. Come on. But okay, was were the Canucks so impressive, or
1: do the Anaheim Ducks look like they see the finish line of the season? Yeah. Last night, and I think it's more the latter. I, I think that the performance we saw, the game we saw on Saturday was pretty much the same we saw on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Just the roles were flipped. Like, I, I thought the the LA Kings were, like, 6 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Canucks were worse. Yeah. Somehow came out of there with two points, but, look, that happens. Sunday, yesterday, Canucks were, like, a 6 out of 10. Yeah. It wasn't like, oh, wow, that's an undeniable win. They were deserved winners, but it's because the the Coyotes, the, the Anaheim Ducks, were, like, a 2 out of 10, 3 out of 10. Yeah. they They really struggled, and they're definitely a team that's checked out and going for the finish line. So it wasn't by no means an impressive victory, but this is you know three performances in a row you can kind of look at and say, yeah, they're kind of underwhelming. Previously, we had discussed you know certain things of structure and what elements do you actually extract out, and I'm still looking at certain elements from the last three games of, because I, I tend to try to look at it, things like, what can you take out of this? Yeah. But the last three, it's been much tougher. There's a certain level of discipline to the games that they've... Stuck to it, especially the LA game. Obviously, that even with the puck in their zone a lot, I felt that they weren't running around a lot. Yeah, the way they moved the puck out was just get the puck out of the zone. But it, it was a calmer, dominated performance against LA. Like they they were under siege, but it wasn't what we've seen in the past.
0: They still gave up a few high da- like a few odd man rushes going back the other way. I didn't always love how they were giving up second and third chances. Even think about you know Arvidsson early in sure. the third period on Saturday. And the coach, for what it's worth, mentioned this yesterday. This is why you should listen to the Canucks Central pregame. Shameless plug. But we hear from the coach exclusively on the Canucks Central pregame before every game. And he mentioned with Batch... Going back, watching the video, and talking even to Demko about it, there is still a lot of progress here. Yes, we lost a lot of board battles. I don't love that. We can't just let the cycle go on forever and ever and expect that we're not going to give up big-time chances. That's going to be a problem. You can't let that happen against any opponent. But we stayed disciplined enough that we weren't giving up the backdoor chance. We weren't giving up the same types of chances that we used to give up. And Tockett mentioned that Demko brought this up to him. It's like, yeah, I had to make 38 saves, but I didn't have those ones that I had zero chance on to make a play on as often as I would in the past. So can we call that progress? I guess. But this is the problem is, like we're dealing with such a low bar of what progress is for this team compared to where they were earlier in the season, that it's like, yes, we have progress, but what does that progress really mean when we get into this game again at the start of next year? I suppose that's why you have to deconstruct before you construct, though, right? Yes. Like, they talked about stripping
1: this down to the bare wood and how to build players back up. To, to start that, you have to eliminate mistakes. Like You can't live in a world where Mistakes are accepted and you expect to then overcome and say, Hey, well, if we made a mistake, let's go create offensively in the other end. Mm-hmm. And we'll just create more than the mistakes and we won't w- we'll sweep it under the rug. Yeah. They're done sweeping things under the rug, I think. Yeah. I'm fine with that because it's required. I understand some people would say, Hey, if you if you can do it now, you could have done it in the summer. Yeah. But why, why put off till tomorrow what we can do today? Mm-hmm. And I, I know that's frustrating because it flies in the face of the, the draft lottery. But it, it requires doing. <laughs> it has to be done. Yeah. And I'm okay sacrificing it to solve it. It, it means that I'm betting on September looking a lot better. Mm-hmm. But, I, okay, I'll make that bet. I'll be the fool to step into the trap. Yeah. Because these are things that have to be corrected. I know you guys have joked about it. Like, we're talking about line changes and things like that. You you can't keep going on letting this be okay. And it's it's gotten better here recently as far as stuff like line changes. And to your point, like, bigger picture issues, like... Giving
0: up the backdoor backdoor play. um, eh, Like, it was just simple things. You know, simple fundamentals that this team had let go. And it's indicative of, again, them being out on another coach which raises a ton of big-picture type of, you know, (laughs) uh, question marks about the intangibles of your team that they consistently just sort of give up on a situation because they did that again this year under Boudreaux. I think it's pretty obvious now. But the way that they are keeping their sticks in the right lanes, like elementary stuff, right? Pee-wee kind of things that they weren't doing in the past that they are now doing a lot better and you just see how much cleaner it all looks in a lot of these games all that being said progress is nice progress to some level is real but because there's always a but with this team but this is still more of a Thatcher Demko bump than it is a Rick Tockett bump it's more of a goalie bump than it is a, a new coach bump for this team Demko has been the biggest reason they've won eight of their last 10 games. And he's only won six of them. You can throw in a Silov's win in there, and you can throw in now a Colendelia win into that equation. They are, what, a few games above 500 now in the Tocket era. But a lot of that is over this last stretch where they've won eight of 10. And Demko is the biggest reason why that's all happened. You're... We can fool ourselves until kingdom come about what it is and what is real and what isn't. Progress has been made. They have been better in a lot of areas. They aren't giving up the backdoor pass. They aren't giving up the cross-slot pass. They aren't under siege in the way that they were constantly under Bruce Boudreau. And you see it start to bear out in the numbers. They're about average in a lot of metrics, maybe even a little bit below average, but That is a long way from where they were under Bruce Boudreaux, and that is progress. But when we think about how that translates into next year, I'm not sure how to grade that because it was similar under Boudreaux. You look back to last year's stats and the Boudreaux bump. Again, Canucks went from bottom in the league to pretty much everything with Travis Green to all of a sudden, middle of the road, a little bit below average, maybe a little bit above average in some metrics. Certainly offense, they were above average in the Boudreaux era. The power play was unbelievable. And the goalie was incredible. And that's what we've seen over these last 10. Thatcher Demko, of all goalies in the National Hockey League, is second in goal saved above average since he returned from injury. So... That stat alone, I almost don't need anything else, other than that, to tell me that this is more of a Thatcher Demko bump than it is a new coach bump for this team, Vic. It's true, and
1: like this is always the thing that's difficult to separate teams improving and good goalies. Yeah, you know the old phrase: "Show me a good coach, I'll show you a good goalie." Yeah, right. It's absolutely fair, and and this is why. People say, hey, we're doing this all over again. Mm -hmm. Thatcher Demko was sparkling last year. And, you know, the the point I've made is the team, like there were warning signs that the odd man rushes and the goal prevention from Thatcher Demko on those odd man rushes, like that sort of stuff can wane and flip real fast. And even Jim Rutherford and Patrick Elvin were not impressed with what they saw through the 57 games. So it's fair. And again I'll, I'll I'll be the one to step in the trap yeah I I like the way that they're playing more than they were last year they were up against a lot of uh backup goalies last year they were they were maxing out an effort as well last mm-hmm. year and yeah they finished 11th under the Boudreaux era last season yeah but it was a scary 11th that if they if they managed to hold it up Okay, it still would have been on the back of Thatcher Demko, but you saw at the beginning of the year, when he wasn't right, it really went pear-shaped really fast. 650-650. Uh, this one, are you the same pair of moaning myrtles that will cough a furball when they draft 14th? Get on the tank train, boys. It's the only righteous path. You know, for me, the the, the tanking thing is a executive-level game. Yeah. Obviously, look, I'm not even going to say coaches and players don't tank, but for me, it's Like, what moves did you make to go ahead and push towards a tank? Look, they traded Bo Horvat. They traded away Luke Shen. The executives did their job Mm -hmm. as far as... Shut down Ilya Mikheyev. Yeah. Making the team worse. And Thatcher Demko was out for a long time. The executives did their job. At that stage, I have less anger Mm -hmm. over the results because it's a probability exercise... And you're asking for certainty. You're asking for something that isn't real. To say try to lose the game, and 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 that's just not real. And so yeah. for me, it's did the executives do their job in trying to make this team worse? And I think they did probably a good enough job of it. Could mm-hmm. they have done more? Kuzmenko and all that sort of stuff. Sure, I I would have liked to see him stay, but to me, they did plenty. Like the the team, the team that was last year. Horvat was on the team. Luke Shen was on the team. All of Reckman Larson was playing. Yeah. Tyler Myers didn't miss any games. Um, th- there were. I think last year's team per talent was probably better than this one's. Yeah. And so, what's the difference? Are they playing better hockey? Yeah, I think they are.
0: They're playing somewhat better hockey. I- I'm not going to disagree with you there. We've talked. Travis about Dermott it. was healthy. Uh, Travis Dermott was healthy. Uh, you know, they've been trotting out a mostly AHL blue line. Uh, Quinn Hughes and a bunch of guys. That, like, Ethan Bear comes back
1: and starts playing over 20 minutes, (laughs) and it's a noticeable difference. Yes. Like, from where we were with Ethan Bear mixed in with um, OEL, Mm -hmm. you'd say, okay, there's, like, a gap. Like, there's a gap between OEL and Ethan Bear. Yeah. And then Ethan Bear comes back, and you can tell there's just a little bit of difference. Obviously, he's still working up to get to game speed after uh, a little bit of time off, but there's a reason he's getting more minutes. Significantly more minutes immediately uh, when coming back. And you can see just a little bit more poise in Ethan Bear's game compared to Burroughs and Breezebois and so on.
0: 8 of 10. You win 8 of 10. And if you look at the sample of these 10 games where they've turned their record around and made finishing bottom 5 essentially a pipe dream, how have they won these games? As you say, it's not up to, like, management did their job in making the team worse. You can have the argument, if they were truly tanking, if they were really giving to this, maybe they don't make the coaching change. A whole different slew of questions go into that. But the plan is, and has been, this is what it's going to be for the rest of this year, but we want to be good next year. And it's hard to be two things at once in the National Hockey League (laughs) And we're seeing that bear fruit right now. But you win 8 of 10. How have you won 8 of these 10? Again, Thatcher Demko for me, the sole major reason. But you're winning on the back of your core. And I don't know what you're supposed to do as management as long as those guys are healthy. You can't shut them down with some kind of phantom injury. They don't want that. Elias Patterson is putting up as many points as he can to really make that bank this summer and earn that $90 million contract he's eventually going to sign or whatever it might be. But you've won these games on the back of Thatcher Demko, on the back of JT Miller, Elias Pettersson, Quinn Hughes playing incredible, Andre Kuzmenko on an unbelievable scoring run. You've had secondary level um production from Besser, Garland and Bovillier. It's essentially the pieces that you're planning on next year. Most of them. We can have our debates. One of the Garland Bovillier Besser combo is probably going to be traded. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, like those are the guys that have been putting up the goals that are playing better. That's leading to wins more than anything else. And as a management team, I'm not sure what you are supposed to do in order to stop that. You want to tell Rick Tockett to play Quinn Hughes less than 25 minutes a night? He was averaging 25 minutes a night last year. He's going to average 25 minutes again next year. He's a Norris-caliber defenseman. Those guys play 25 minutes a night on every team. Think San Jose is pulling back minutes on Eric Carlson? No, but they're still losing games, whether or not he's in the lineup or not. So there's only so much you can do as a team. And for the Canucks, this has been the argument since day one of the season. Are you tanking? It's hard to tank when you have a core as good as this team does that pushes you towards the middle of the standings. The
1: one complaint I'd have as far as how this team went about it, and we're getting some Spencer Martin text, hmm. should they have retained Spencer Martin? Look, Dr. Demko is going to come back at some point, so you needed to remove one of the goalies from the equation anyways. I
0: agree with everybody that says Demko shouldn't be playing as much as he does, but... But at some point, he was going to be healthy. Yeah. So, like, Spencer Martin was always going to end up in the AHL. It always felt unrealistic to say, oh, Demko's only going to play 50% of the games. I'm a little disappointed it's been this many games. Uh, I'm I'm one 100% but, there with you. But the one complaint I will have,
1: because I, I don't even think the Spencer Martin is a big one because of Demko's return. And, and we saw this with like the the Horvat pick and and getting that pick and flipping it. They're insistent on having the plan, the next plan, be executed immediately as one plan is finished, mm-hmm. and that included the coaching decision. I'm not saying don't get don't get rid of Bruce at the time, but why was it so urgent to hire Rick Tockett? Yeah, immediately to have him ready for January 24th. Could you have waited till? February 27th? Could you have waited till March 2nd? Could you wait until after the deadline? So now you're in. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing that I would say, like, maybe you could have uh, changed the formula a little bit, that the first part of the talking bump would come after the deadline, and then you wouldn't have that much of a runway. They screwed up how they got off of Bruce Brujo Yeah. And this is probably a bit of a screw-up, too, because it, had you just waited three weeks, yeah,
0: How would it look different? I mean, the temperature was so hot at the time. But it would have been relieved if you just said... Could you stand in there and keep taking punches, essentially? Right, but could you have just said, hey, we have an interim in Mike Yo. Or whoever. Yeah. For three weeks. Uh, You could have done all those things. But I believe part of the plan was schedule's getting easier at this point. Sure. And what helps instill the new message? A few wins can go a long way. I get it, but then...
1: From the, the organization's point of view, and I'm not putting this on the players, I'm not putting it on this coaching staff, from the executive level above, then you can't be annoyed at the idea of, oh, well, we're slipping out, potentially, out of the first overall pick lottery odds. And the other thing this does to reach is it's going to put undue pressure on what we expect at the start of next year. Had they just finished seventh and gone about it and hired Rick Tockett, say, two weeks ago, and we looked at it and said, okay, well, here comes this new coach. He gets 20-some-odd games to mm-hmm. do this. We'll get a better idea of next season. Well, now we're getting a really good idea that we're pulling our hair out or whatever hair I have left to say, what is this? Like, mm-hmm. what's real? Because we're getting a decent chunk of gains here to look at to say, what is the Tockett system like? What is life under Rick Tocket going to be like for these players? We're getting a pretty good sense of it. We'll get more of it come training camp. But now this is putting pressure upon them, winning these eight here and pushing themselves into that middle. Now suddenly go, if, if you want to compete – then come October, you better compete, and you better win immediately to take some pressure off yourself.
0: We have so much still to get to. Uh, We were going to talk about uh, J.T. Miller and his recent play. Did not get to that. We'll continue to take your text as well. Irfan Gaffar will join us. And the season Quinn Hughes is having, it gets better and better, doesn't it? We'll have more on that still to come on Canuck Central. Hitting the most important topics for Vancouver sports fans. The People's Show with Vic Nizar. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Canuck Central in the Kintec studio. Kintec footwear and orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500, nope, 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 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintec.net. Uh, March 20th, the first official day of spring, Bic. I know it felt that way this weekend while we were covering a couple of Canucks games. <laughs> But uh first uh, first full days of spring. Dead of winter is over. Are you sad? Do you shed a tear? You're like king of winter guy around here. A little no? bit sad, yeah. I don't know how I'm, you do I'm, that.
1: I'm pro winter.
0: Do you not have sad well, disorder uh, like everybody else?
1: I used to, because uh, you know, when I lived up north. Yeah. My my first radio day in Grand Prairie, yeah. They do the orientation and they're like, Welcome to the industry, and all this but uh hey, just a thing. Just be aware that like this is a thing. You move up here. <laughs> light is non-existent sunlight is gone for long stretches i was like what are you guys talking about i'm a 21 year old punk yeah and sure enough like december in the height of december i was feeling it deep oh man and you once you like click in you're like oh this is what they told me then i was all right after that okay but like again i've experienced some harsh winters these winters are nothing by comparison. So I, I like winter.
0: <laughs> I will never forget my first uh, winter in Vancouver. And it was like 26 straight days of rain in November. Sure. And I was... Uh, it's tough. So needless to say, I'm that guy. Absolutely loving first day of spring. Loving that golf season is just around the corner. <laughs> yes, I'm a 35-plus white male. And <laughs> my whole life outside of work is now just about golf. I have hour-long conversations with my brother just about golf. I have cleaned my clubs twice in the last week, even though I haven't been golfing. This this is just my life now, and I think uh, our next guest might sympathize with that. It is uh, Irfan Ghaffar of the Fourth Period. What's up? I have a tea time this week. You have a tea time this Let's week? Let's go. It's not even that warm. Yeah, now. but I don't think I don't think the weather's gonna. <laughs> That's you what know, I'm saying. I, 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 I like I don't know if I can golf uh, below ten degrees. Oh, you'd be like my guy,
2: Aaron Ryan, wear two gloves, get a hole in one. <laughs> that
0: would be nice. I've never had one, so I, I wouldn't know what that feels like. Have you?
2: Have you gone as far as like, I know we send each other memes on Instagram and stuff, yeah. golf and and, and and whatnot, but have you gone as far as like some of the people that are absolutely nuts and like sage their clubs before golf season?
0: <laughs> no, I don't do that.
2: I've seen it. It's out there. What is b- this? sense. Like, b- like, No, it's just like, yeah, you know, you, you rid them of whatever crap they had the season before and you hope it's good this season. You
0: have a little seance for the, uh, (laughs) who's the, who's the guy in major league? (laughs) That's
1: right. Oh yeah. Oh, I forget his
0: name. Uh, anyways, that would have been a good reference if I could have completed it, but, uh.
1: You guys just got to focus on the next shot. That's all.
0: Uh only 13 Canucks games remaining. That's that's what I know. Uh <laughs> Don't worry about last year's strokes, just worry about the next one. Yeah. We're we're uh, we're breaking 90 this year. That's that's the hope. Uh all right. So Canucks, keep winning uh keep winning hockey games or uh, should we talk should we be talking more playoffs than tank right now? What do you think? Well.
2: I mean Technically I closer. What
0: <laughs> like, playoffs technically, well, yeah. They could still get to but 93 I- points. So which is crazy,
2: but like, I, I, am hundred percent in with, with the tank crowd and, and I get it and generational players and, and in Bedard and, you know, Fantilli, and, and the top five, maybe even the top seven or eight picks, you know, can probably change a, the, the outlook of a franchise. Maybe five to eight guys won't, but your top three, top, top three to four might, might, might be able to. Um, I think if you're the Vancouver Canucks, you know, Rick Tockett's been here for what seven weeks. Um, yeah, I, I just, I, I just don't know that you can go out and be a head coach and and try to coach hockey games and in the back of your mind, with management telling you that you you should tank. Like, well, you're, are you going to go into a game and tell Elias Pedersen, hey, don't shoot the puck as hard as you can,
0: mm-hmm.
2: or? JT Miller, don't throw that last hit. Or, you know, maybe slow up on the back check a little bit if you're Quinn Hughes. I just don't know how, as, uh, as a coach, you can tell professional athletes to go and do that. Um, hey, Thatcher Demko, maybe let in four goals instead of three. You know what I mean? I, I just don't know how that works, especially at this point in the season. And, and if you're Rick Talkett, you want every player available at all times because you want to see what you're working with. Now, the alternative could be for management – bench Demko let's get uh, if someone's really hurt let's just put them on the shelf for the year and and we'll go from there but at some point you still have to go out every night and you have to compete and I just don't think that you're telling professional athletes to get paid a lot of money to not be at their best every single night and unfortunately because the Canucks are winning games
1: uh we were talking a little bit on the post game show last night you mentioned his name Elias Pettersson and look he continues out of this fantastic year And I I kind of view this right now from Pedersen that, you know, you're going to clip 100 points. You know, what more do you need to do to try to sit down at the negotiating table? Is this summer from the Pedersen's camp? Is this summer not the best time to go get that deal hammered out just because you had a fantastic year? I just feel like you're risking, uh, you know, going out and maybe only putting up a 90-point season or an 85-point season. Like, you've confirmed that you're a franchise center. Does it make sense from the Pedersen's camp to hammer out a deal this summer?
2: I think they're going to think about it. I, I think that it's something that they'll definitely talk with the Canucks management about. Um, look, he's going to clip 100 points. It's a ridiculous amount of goals. He's the most important player, I think, on, on this hockey team, night in and night out. Like they, they need Elias Pettersson, and I think when you know that and, and you have that, and I think both uh, Elias Pettersson's camp and, and the Vancouver Canucks kind of know what ballpark they're in mm-hmm. um, on, on on dollar. And I, I just wonder what the term is on this one. And then I wonder if, if you look at Elias Pedersen's outlook, what does he want to see happen this summer from this franchise? What needs to change in his mind in order for him to go and, 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 and sign a long term deal here? I'm not saying that he won't. Uh, I think that it's, yeah. it's, there's, a, there's a very good chance that he does. But I, I don't know that they will be that far off on a number. Because you already know how important he is to this team. It, it, like the seem- Quid, like when he started with the Quinn Hughes deal, it didn't take long to get done at all. Right. Because it, you just knew right away.
1: It just doesn't seem as confusing as like the Miller deal, right? Because A, you're weighing a couple options, either uh, Miller or Horvat, and the number was always so interesting. This just seems fairly obvious, right? Like We're, we're talking... 10 plus million, probably close to 11. And it just feels obvious that, okay, this is what it is. And as you said, like term is probably the only thing to hammer out, but who's going to say no to eight years of Elias Pedersen?
2: Exactly. And he's under the age of 10, he's under 25, mm-hmm. right? I mean, he's, he's literally your franchise player. So there, there's there, there, this one, this one should not take long at all. There shouldn't be any trouble at the negotiating table here on, you know, what, what, or the, the framework of the deal is. You know, now if it gets into those the, 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 the nitty-gritties of the front-loaded signing bonuses in the first few years of the deal and then things like that and, and no trade clauses and no movements and, and, and things of that nature, now obviously that stuff will have to be ironed out. But I think that once they come down to it, once they sit down at the table, this one, if they want to do it and get it done right away, it shouldn't take long.
0: So, the summer. We know they have to uh, clear and shed some cap, however they are going to do that. OEL buyout maybe they finally are able to trade one of the expensive wingers as they've been trying to do for so long Myers is a possibility maybe when especially when his his bonus is paid out but aside from that like what do you think is on the top priority list for these guys like how do they get Pedersen and Co to really believe in what they are doing moving forward what's their what's the biggest priority and why is it a left shot defenseman (laughs) because <laughs>
2: they already got the right one, and everyone complained about it. Yeah, uh, but no, I, I think it's. I agree. I, I don't know that they're going to buy out OEL. I, I, that one, that one's a little. That, that, it's that's only nineteen
0: million dollars.
2: Yeah, I, I don't think that they're going to buy out OEL. I think that they're going. to You don't think the they will? No, I, I don't. I think it's a lot. I think it's a lot of money to scratch. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I, I think that. If they, so, he's paying $30 million
1: going. for the rest of that deal and not making the playoffs.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, I mean, I, I agree, but I don't think that they're going to buy out OEL. I just don't think that they do it.
1: Wow. That, that's
2: just my personal um, belief, and that's just talking to a couple of people. I just don't, I just don't see that going that route. Um, it's tough because, you know, he's a guy that kind of handcuffs your roster quite a bit, night in and night out, but yep. it's a big ticket to scratch. That's a very, very large ticket to scratch. Um, very well, early, like if they're, very they're unable
0: to move one of the other wingers, like they may have no choice but to buy out. OEL I think too. they'll be.
2: I think. I think. The, I think they'll be more. I think they'll be more likely to be able to move a winger here once we get into the summer right. than they are going to. Then, they are going to buy out OEL. Let's just put it that way. Okay. I think that you before the deadline, we went into look at all these teams that were trying to improve your hockey team, and okay, Brock Besser's named the J.T. Miller named the Garland's all these guys' names came up because of these were teams in the playoffs and, and, and in the hunt wanting to improve their hockey team. Okay, well, maybe the Canucks were asking for too much for some of these teams. But now in the summer, and when you get to the draft right around that time after the playoffs are over, you know, you open it up to 31 other teams in the National Hockey League. You're not just handcuffing, you're handcuffing yourself to 16 that are going to make the playoffs, right? There, there's a whole lot of other teams that could be looking to improve, and, and, and you could make some deals work that way. So... I think that once you get into the summer, and when, when we see some, and you'll you'll definitely probably see some action then, and hopefully at the draft again this year.
1: Is there any names that are starting to poke out? Because I remember like the the summer of Tyler Myers, it felt like in February, in January, there's an idea of like, well, Tyler Myers is probably going to end up in Vancouver. Is there any names that you, you've heard that are maybe starting to creep out uh, from Canucks camp of what they might be looking at uh, this summer? No,
2: I don't think so. I, I think right now their focus is letting Rick Tocque kind of see what he has with this roster, um, have one of those evaluations. And basically when he goes into the room with management, you know, him and his coaching staff are going to, are going to have a list of things of, of what they would like and what they would like to see happen and, and improve on, on this roster. And, you know, it, it might be one or two more defensemen, and it might be a couple of different guys on the fourth line. I mean, he seems to like, you know, Nils Amon and Dakota Joshua quite a lot, you know, are, are they going to be here? For the next couple of seasons, and and what what are their what are their contracts going to look like? I know Joshua's got one more year left, um, but it's, it's it's things like that. And then there is obviously, you know, you look at the college free agents that are going to come up. You you look at all the guys that are that, that are in Europe that, that the Canucks that the Canucks might be scouting, um, and, and things of that nature. So, I think right now the the assessment of what Rick Talk is going to have in this roster when he goes in to meet with management is, is going to be really important. I mean, it might not change completely what management wants to do, but you know, if you this, this guy's going to be your head coach for, for the next few years, you know, you're definitely going to want to take in um, a lot of information of what he has to say.
0: So JT Miller, you know, we, we come out of the deadline, all of the, uh, rumors flying around and everything that could have been with JT potentially as a Pittsburgh penguin, but now he's playing so well. Um, and, and I guess there's a question of, you know, is that going to be revisited in the summer? But this is kind of the guy they they signed up for when they signed him to that seven-year $56 million extension in September this is the guy they would have expected at training camp when they signed that deal um this you know, th- this is the thing about JT Miller though is you know are we going to get this over the course of a full season is he going to show up in October I think that's more my question mark about him right now than uh, than anything else
2: yeah well I mean the thing is he has showed up in October before and yeah. that's the guy that they signed right it's just it's being able to put it Altogether together consistently.
0: Like, he's always been better in the second halves of seasons, but he yeah, normally but doesn't start was, as yeah. bad as he did this year.
2: Yeah, there, I mean, to be completely honest, none of their roster was very good early on in the season. Yeah, that's true. But, except for Elias Pettersson. Um But I, I think for JT, look, uh, this is, I mean, yes, this is the guy that they signed up for and the guy that they gave their money to. Um, if you're asking me do I think he's going to be traded, um, I, I, I'm not sure. If you're asking me if they had an opportunity to make a move and it was a deal that they liked, would they consider it? Absolutely. I think that that question still is out there for everyone on the roster, not named Patterson or Hughes, and and maybe even throw throw Demko in there now a little bit. But uh, I think that, you know, if you're the Vancouver Canucks and you're still looking to improve your hockey team, and as you mentioned, now you need a left shot defenseman uh, reach. So if if there's a way that, that you can do it, and that means, you know, making moves and, you know, as Jim Rutherford has said in the past, you know, making unpopular decisions—that's um, something you're going to have to look at. And I've said before, you know, they were kind of handcuffed right right around the draft of of teams that were interested and and, and teams that really wanted to improve their rosters. They headed into the playoffs or try and make the playoffs. Now you've got it open for a little bit more room and a little bit more teams with with more cap space as
1: well. What's your sense of what the last like 14 games have done for this management group? Is it is it? befuddling? Is it uh, confirmation bias, or so like, yeah, we just need a new coach, and n- and now we're excited? Or is it a little uh, confusing to say like, hey, here we are again, and we- it's it's not necessarily helping us what we can do long term.
2: Well, I don't think it's the new coach thing because if you play it like that, if they go on a bad run next year, you're not going to just fire the coach and hire a new one. Mm-hmm. I- 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 you just can't keep doing that, right? And then, uh, and I know it's like you know, then Travis Green was hired, and then he was the coach. You know, they they were they were, they- they were pretty good, and then. You know, they weren't. And then Bruce Boudreau was hired and they got that bump. And then, then they weren't good. Now you have the Rick Tocket bump and, and they're playing well. But I think the biggest thing is you're seeing a, it's early. It's only been seven weeks since he's been the head coach. But there's a little bit of that structure there. You know, they, they are, getting, they are you know, competing in their own end a little bit more, um, getting out of their own zone and, 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 and things like that. Um, PK's obviously been, been very, very good. Um, and their power play is getting better. So I And obviously, Elias Patterson is doing what he's doing at 5-on-5. Five Five. is pretty good. So I think that when you look at it from a management standpoint, it's like, okay, you know, we're starting to see a little bit of this footprint of, of what we hope what we would have early on in the season. And yes, to your point, big, yeah, it probably is the coach a little bit, but I, I don't think it's confused them at all. I, I think that they still have a plan and, and obviously they said it is to make the playoffs next season. And they're going to still go and try and execute that plan here in the off season, where it's you know you you, you try to improve your hockey club defensively and offensively, and if you can find free agents that want to sign here, you you go and make those decisions. But I think from from a managing perspective, these these next these last few games obviously have been uh, pretty good because your team's playing well. But the next thirteen obviously are important too.
0: I bet uh, it's confirmed that they think they need Thatcher Demko in order to be good next year. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Right? Like, he's been as good as he was last year. Every single bit since he came back from this injury. And if you're planning on being good next year, uh, going back a little bit to the the Demko trade rumors, like, now that he's playing the way that he is, does this help? uh, It's like, how how do we get good next year without this guy on our roster? I I, I think it puts any sort of trade rumor about Thatcher Demko to bed.
2: That's the thing. and I, I, I would have to agree. I always think if they if they were given a roster, you are given an uh, an offer that you can't say no to. You you're, you're just not going to not look at it. Yeah. Right. And I think that, that I think that that's, that shouldn't be that shouldn't be the case just here, but anywhere and, and, and any GM, if someone's giving you X, Y, and Z for one year, one of your top dogs, you all, and it, and it's a roster or it's in a move that you can't say no to. It's something that you have to look at and and, and highly consider. But like I said. And like you just mentioned, you know, a, Demko is a big part of this team, and the way that he's playing right now, he probably is one of the few goalies that's going to get this roster <laughs> to the playoffs next season.
0: Uh, how's your bracket doing?
1: Busted. <laughs>
2: Early. Rough look. Gone. Who, I, had Duke, I had Duke going far. Oh, well, there's who, your first problem. Who
1: picks Duke? Yeah. Who picks Princeton? <laughs> okay, fair, but like I, I thought Duke is like the universally hated college. Who, who's like filling out their bracket? Oh, like, see, you I know like, what, Duke. I like,
2: I like, I like the universally hated. Yeah. It's, 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 dude, you're a United fan. What can you say about hating Duke? Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Oh, would you? you it's the most universally hated team in the world. <laughs> yeah. Forget about the NCAA.
0: You guys love the heels, uh, both being United fans. How much did you love uh, Antonio Conte's, like, uh, this is my get-fired ploy?
2: Oh, my God.
1: It's unreal, isn't it? It's That's it's the best.
0: Doing? I wish more coaches did that. Make a mess and get paid. <laughs> That's great. Uh, Irf. you're the best. Thanks for this.
2: All right, gentlemen. Do well. Uh,
0: there he is. Irfan Gafar, the fourth period. Check him out on Twitter and uh, check out his work with the fourth period. Fascinating how the Demco rumors started flying around. And I don't think it ever really got anywhere close to him being moved. But there was the whole, does he want out? All of those sorts of question marks. He's obviously declined all of those. But you watch Demco play now. And you're trying to map out ways that this team can be good next year. I don't know how you do it without him. Like there's no way it's even conceivable to build a playoff team without that guy as your number one goalie next year,
1: unless there's like a Tristan Jari or a Semyon Verlamov. Yeah. But again, that to me is
0: like a big
1: bet. That to me is you're solving three other things elsewhere on the roster, and then you're getting the goalie. Yeah. And I, man, that's terrifying. New okay.
0: goalies got to get acclimated to your system yeah. and your defensemen and their tendencies. And I
1: honestly, I think we've overlooked that, how goalies pair with defense. Yes. I think for too long we've sat here and just said, make a save. Mm hmm make a save coward <laughs> <laughs> I think too long we've done that yeah. and now it's like we're understanding the the relationship between how a team defends and how a goalie processes that information to make the saves yes I think we're we're better at it than ever and we're still probably miles away from actually understanding it but that's a scary proposition
0: I think the only way you even think about a Demko offer is if somebody comes with the equivalent of three first-round picks. However you want to shake that out, but like the equivalent of three first-round picks. And guess what? In the National Hockey League, nobody's given up that for a goaltender. So you're keeping Thatcher Demko. And that's where the situation is going with him a lot of uh, really good things there with Irfan Gaffar we're going to get into more about Quinn Hughes and his season coming up also Don Taylor will join us and is the world baseball classic making you yearn for a world cup of hockey that's also coming up in hour two of Canucks Central